It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. So started up. I am started way up. Way up am I started. You know, I, I ordered some Nespresso. Uh, that's the little espresso machine. And I ordered these capsules I didn't mean to order. And I realized that some of them are double espressos. And I never get a double espresso. Like in a, in a restaurant. You know, in Italy, you don't really get double espressos. Not many people order double espressos. They'll just get two singles. And they get what's called ristretto, which means it's like... A half an inch, maybe, of liquid. Uh, but I uh, I went with the double Nespresso and woo, feeling good. Feeling good. <laughs> and luckily high. here to share the joy. Well, before I introduce her, I want to thank her because she just pointed me in the right direction to a headline in the newspaper that just came out barely an hour ago. New York Attorney General Tish James bashes Madison Square Garden facial surveillance as plagued with legal problems. New York Attorney General Letitia James has joined the fight against Madison Square Garden Entertainment CEO James Dolan and his, oh boy, this is, these are big words. These are like a Diana word. Dis, dystopian? Oh yeah, dystopian <laughs> use. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. I was in court arguing today. We'll hear about it later. Dystopian use of facial resignation software to screen attendees. The company has used the tech to block attorneys from law firms with active litigation against it from attending events of its venue. Quote, we write to raise concerns that the policy may violate the New York civil rights law and other city, state, and federal laws prohibiting discrimination and retaliation for engaging in protected activity, she said in a letter to the Madison Square Garden attorneys. Quote, attempts to dissuade individuals from filing discrimination complaints or encouraging those in active litigation to drop their lawsuits so they may access popular entertainment events at the company's venues may violate state and city laws prohibiting retaliation. Let me tell you something. From a legal point of view, this is silly. From a public relations point of view, it's just insane. It's so stupid. You got the New York Knicks that have not won a championship, I believe, since 1973. Um, I, so it's the 50-year anniversary. And you have the New York Rangers, who haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1994. So we're about to hit the 30-year anniversary for them. Right? The Knicks are 73, right? 70 and 73. 73 was the last time the Knicks. Yep. And the Rangers were 94. And Dolan is going to have a policy that it just... just Pisses so many people off. Someone asked me, do you want to go see Billy Joel? I can't go see Billy Joel. Someone said to me, you want to go see Springsteen? I can't go see Springsteen. Not only me, I can't go. The rest of the people in my firm can't go. Just so so you understand, because this happened to Lino in in our firm. He was going to the Knicks game with three of his friends. He walks through. You have three young men in their early 30s. They walk through the metal detectors. They're on their way to go get a beer and then go take their seat at a Knicks game that they just paid a lot of money for. Actually, they're going into a suite. And they get surrounded like like there's a warrant out for their arrest, taken into a room. And Lino said when he went into the room, there was our website up on a, on a screen. So what they did was because we had this uh, lawsuit against Madison Square Garden for a relatively minor injury that took place at the uh, at the garden, which we believe was caused by the, uh, the by the negligence of the maintenance crew at Madison Square Garden. They're saying no one in our firm is allowed in there. That has such a chilling effect. I mean, look, I go above and beyond for for our clients. So I, I'll miss Bruce there. I'll miss Bruce. I'll miss uh, Billy Joel there. Jerry Seinfeld, um, at the Jerry Seinfeld at the Beacon. Thank you. Radio um, City but I'm so happy that this has taken because this has been going on. We got this letter, I think, at the end of the summer saying anyone. And we did. We got a certified letter saying your law firm is uh, suing us. And we look at it that if anyone from your firm comes in and has interaction with our staff, it could be in the capacity of interviewing them as cl- as possible witnesses for your lawsuit, so therefore you're not allowed in the building. And 
look, that's just not going to fly. So um, that is the headline of, uh, of of that I want to lead off with right now. I'm, I'm I did speak to people at the mayor's office. They're heavily looking into it as well. But why, 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 if you're James Dolan, would you do this? Except, except to punish the lawyers who are representing the people who got injured or have claims in your uh, facility. So what Letitia James is focusing on here is like discrimination. So if some person gets fired and they say, why, you, why? now this is not going to happen, but why am I being fired? Oh, because you're an African-American woman. We don't want you here. We're firing you. And she goes to a big law firm, like a big law firm that has like 500, 600 lawyers. They file, they file charges for discrimination and five or 600 lawyers can't take their family to go see Disney on ice. That's there's just something very wrong about that. And I am positive without being positive because I don't sound like I have the paperwork in front of me. They must get some some tax breaks. There's liquor laws that are going on here. So hats off to the attorney general. Let's get the mayor's office involved. I know they have relations with with Madison Square Garden. And before we talk about um, Joan and Matt, I also am very excited because today the first Long Island Railroad train pulled into Grand Central, and that was very exciting. And without further ado, sitting across from me, the woman who makes it all happen night after night, day Uh after day. Sometimes she does it from home, but we always get excited when she comes here to the law offices of Adala, Bertuna, and Cammons. The one, the only, Joni Pelzer. Hello, Joni. <laughs> Is Hi, my Joni. mic on now? Yes, Am I speaking is... close enough to the microphone, yes. Sambolino? You are too close, actually. Oh, uh, okay, we lowered it. How are you, oh, Matt Sambolino? You good? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, it's a wonderful, dreary day out, and I'm glad we yeah, dodged is... the snow. And for those of you who are in your car, I'm sorry you're not driving in, in, in more pleasant weather, and I hope the traffic is not too bad. Um now, Joan always comes in here. She's, you know, always dressed to the nines and, and very professional. But there's always, like, some kind of different hair things going theme, on. yeah. And today she's got a hair theme going on. Now, <laughs> I, I, there was rumors that, that uh, Mr. Joe Sibilia was in the house. Is that accurate? That's correct. How are you, Arthur? Okay, first and foremost. Hello, Sibilia. So, uh, he just he turned 21. Was your birthday yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I turned 21. It was on Monday. Monday, it was on my. I'm sorry, Joseph. Ha- happy birthday to no, thank you! Thank you. And I can actually take you out for a drink, and, and we don't have to use the fake ID you typically use. So thank <laughs> exactly. You. Uh, um, and now, the way Joan's hair is is conducted today, and and you know her her physique today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know where you're going with this, and this is terrible that you're even going to say it. It is terrible. But for those of us all, all old enough to remember the TV show Laughing. He thinks I'm looking frumpy, I guess. Sevilla, <laughs> you, do you remember the character of Ruth Buzzy? Of course, yes. Yeah, she was a fixture on Laughing, and of course, on all of those Dean Martin roasts, she would come out and hit everyone. Friars Club. Sevilla's like 95 now. Right. <laughs> so, um,. Do you understand? Like, do you, do we have any audio? Yeah, we have a little bit here. I, I hope let's this hear a little racy, But here you go. You know, I'll never forget the first time that he saw me in a bikini. He said, "Oh boy." Because <laughs> you look like one. <laughs> oh boy, because you look like one. There you go. All right, that's enough. I don't want to go too I deep. I play with Buzzy. <laughs> no, but but Joan, you are really. Um, you don't you know, look like we, a boy. We just banged out a year on the on this station and. Um, I couldn't do it without you. My friend Anthony just sent me a text. Said, "By the way, Arthur, Madison Square Garden pays no property tax." Now I could tell you the little building that we have in the Friars Club, which is tiny compared to Madison Square Garden, we pay tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, the little building that I was—I was the president of the Brooklyn Bar Association, one two three Remsen Street. We pay tens of thousands of dollars in pro- property taxes. Now, why? Why does Madison Square, Madison Square Garden not pay any property taxes? You know, that's some sort of deal that, you know, these politicians make. But, you you, you know, I am just so happy that this has taken some traction because it, it really would have a chilling effect on, you know, all kidding aside, if, if I'm running a big law firm and someone comes in with a lawsuit that's really not financially uh, going to be any kind of windfall for the lawyers here, but it's the right thing to do for the client – I'm now in a position saying, hmm, I'm the boss. I'm, I'm running the show here for 400 lawyers. This is a case that's maybe worth $75,000. That means our legal fee will be $25,000. But the individual got hurt will get $50,000, which is a lot, a lot of money. 
But is it worth it to tell everyone on the staff, sorry, you can't take your kids to Disney on ice. You can't take your kids to Rock or to Radio City Music Hall to see the Rockettes. So let's hope someone speaks to Mr. Dolan. Besides fixing the Rangers and the Knicks, we fix this policy. We got a great show coming up. I'm going to tell you what happened in federal court today. And then we're going to have a fantastic author, Ron Freed, talking about organized crime and boxing. Don't go away. Are you fed up with hair loss or weak, brittle hair? Invite Health would like to introduce you to Hair Enhance HX. This powerful bioactive formula targets the root causes of hair loss, like stress, hormone imbalance, and nutritional deficiencies, packed with clinically studied nutrients shown to increase hair strength and growth. Formulated to target male and female pattern hair loss with amino acids to strengthen hair and promote new hair growth, this comprehensive formula addresses the multiple causes of weak, brittle, and lackluster hair. Take advantage of this limited-time offer by one bottle of Hair Enhance HX as suggested retail and get the second bottle free. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com and use promo code HAIR. Are you ready to get to the root cause and finally see and feel a difference? Call now, 800-673-2345 for Hair Enhance HX. Okay, so let's talk about our friends at Connors and Sullivan because what I'm about to tell you is absolutely elementary for every family in in earshot of this radio station because you should know that planning for your family is important and their future is the most important. And who knows if you're going to be around. You could grab your chest and hit your boards, hit the boards anytime. So, what you should you do? You should plan ahead. The time to plan is now a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will. You know what all those things are. A will has to do with who gets your actual belongings. A trust is something you could start now and put money away, and you determine when people in your in your trust get that money and who controls that money. But at least you know you have it all set up. A power of attorney means if you're unable to sign legal documents like a, a lease or a rental agreement or a banking statement, Someone else could do that for you. A healthcare proxy. If you can't talk to the doctor, you designate who you want to make those decisions for you. A living will. You're telling your next of kin, your loved one, whoever you hand that living will to, to tell the doctors you don't want to be on life support systems. The goal of Connors and Sullivan, those attorneys, is to protect your rights, to protect your interests. They've been helping people just like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years And to those listeners of AM970, The Answer, they will give you a free, no-obligation consultation with a lawyer. So call Connors & Sullivan today to schedule that free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connors always says? The biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. here this is smoke on the water deep purple deep purple this is like the first song that you learn how to play when you used to play that guitar game on um that's what everyone says but there's a specific reason why i'm playing this song well wait, wait let me guess i'm gonna guess that the last sunbury rock festival in victoria australia was held today in 1975. Is that a good guess? That's really good. Wow, right on the money, Arthur. Really? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the promoters who took in heavy losses, they only paid Deep Purple. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, seems to know a lot about this. Well, because I had a dream about it. ACDC, the band, was scheduled to play after Deep Purple, but a fight started on stage between the road crews after Deep Purple set when they began packing up the lights and the PA system and denied ACDC the use of theirs. And ACDC left the festival without playing at all. Wow. You are getting rock and roll history from 1975 in Australia. I mean, here we are in Midtown Manhattan, a kid from Brooklyn, and I am educating you thanks to the 
research of Matt Sambolino, the DJ, when he's not behind the controls at AM 970. Uh, thank you, Matt. It was DJ You're Day welcome. last week, too. It, it was, was DJ Day. Day. Oh, happy DJ Day. Oh, thank you. Um, so I'm going to just tell you a little. Like, I, I usually don't talk about my own cases unless they're in the news. So this particular case is in the news now because we were in court this morning. And um, I've been living with it for a couple of years. And it was kind of an emotional day today because of um, I, I grew close to this client. Um, you know, there's some clients you get closer to than others, depending on the magnitude of their situation and the length of your representation and kind of who they are as a person. And this particular, my client is um, the wife of a husband and wife legal team. And what they did was, um, and I can say what they did because they pled guilty today in federal court in the Southern District of New York in front of Judge Viscosal, um, who is a very precise uh, jurist. Um, They're lawyers and they helped people get asylum here in the United States of America, but the reasons why they wrote in these affidavits that were submitted to the federal government about why they needed to stay in America had false information in them. You know, Joan, there are only certain reasons why you could get asylum, right? Mm-hmm. So there's political persecution, there's um, uh, there's religious persecution, um, uh, there's um, uh, sexual preference uh, discrimination. So apparently, upon investigation, a lot of these um, affidavits that were submitted had very, very similar fact patterns. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two ways you can talk about it. There's two ways you're going to look at this. Uh, was it done by the lawyers purely for greed? Because they did make money doing these applications. Or is it done when a client who uh, is a refugee comes in and says, you know, I really need to stay in America. Things are so horrible in my country. And if I go back there, I'm going to face these consequences. Uh, But in federal court, unlike state court, um, you don't know the the um, you don't know the sentence until the actual sentencing date. So today what happened was they just pled guilty. What happens next is on May the 31st is the actual sentencing. Between now and then, a couple of things happen. The um, Within the next two weeks, I have to set up an appointment for my client to be interviewed by uh, the Department of Probation. And basically, the Department of Probation tries to write an objective, like, this is your life on my client, including finances and uh, their finances, literally from their grandparents to their parents, to them, to their children, their education, their where they've lived and where they've had any criminal background, uh, criminal history, uh, have they had any struggles with drugs, alcohol, mental illness. And they present that to the judge. They also present it to us. We have the opportunity to make corrections if we think they got things wrong. Um we write a, a pretty in-depth sentencing memorandum, and in our firm, Michael Jacarino, the partner here, um, not only does he write them, he writes them exquisitely, and that's not my opinion. That's the opinion of the judges who have so many times complimented on the record our sentencing submissions, um, which I then give Mr. Jacarino the credit for. Um, and then the prosecutor, they write their sentencing submission, Typically, we don't write what's called a, like a sir reply. We don't answer that. And then we go into the courtroom on May 31st, and it's the most nerve-wracking thing because the judge is giving it given a guideline. And here, I want to say the guideline is 31 to 40-something, 40 42 months. Uh, or maybe 33 to 41, that's what it is. Oh, it's three years. And you know, you're talking about a husband and wife. They're both lawyers. They both lo- now have lost their profession because once you plead to a, a, a felony, you can't be a, a lawyer anymore. They have little kids. Uh, obviously, if they have to go to jail, we're going to ask the jail for what's called a staggered sentence so that one parent goes in and then comes out and the other parent goes in so that these children are never alone. Um, the husband under these circumstances are in, is in a much better uh, position because his sentencing guidelines are much lower. I think his, his like he's like a level thirteen, so I think it's like twelve to eighteen months. My client, uh, the wife, is is much higher. Uh, you want to talk about pressure? <laughs> 
after we take the plea, it took us an hour. If the husband went for an hour, then we went for an hour. And the wife just looks at me and she's like, I said, are you okay? She's like, I'm okay, Arthur, because I know you'll never let me go to jail. <laughs> how's, how's that for having cinder blocks on your shoulder? Um, so that's that was the, the emotional uh, part of the day. You know, sitting there, and it, it would be naive to say there's not an extra element because they are attorneys. Um, or any professional where not only are they giving up, you know, they're, they're basically clean criminal record and now they're going to be convicted felons but now they're convicted felons that eliminates them from making a living at least the way they knew how to make a living you know if they were a big car dealership if they were basically almost every other profession where you don't need to um where a felony doesn't matter um i've represented guys in the construction field the electrician field the plumbing field it doesn't really have a big impact on them financially. They get back on their feet. But here, that's not going to happen. So it was a very emotional day for all of us. Um, I, we have you know, plenty of time to really present a spectacular um, sentencing memorandum that I know Michael will prepare. Uh, it's interesting because the client asked me to inquire about doing some sort of a video presentation to the judge. So I asked the judge, for sentencing purposes, can we present a video presentation? She said, Mr. Idol, I'm not going to stop you. But I have never found them to be very impactful. You know, people writing letters. She goes, I, which she said, I don't know if you guys are editing it up. Whereas if someone writes a letter from beginning to end, I know the total contents of the letter. So that's a little bit of life in the law. Um, we are going to um, end this segment a little bit early because um, I'm excited about our next guest, Ron Freed, who um, he's an author. He's sitting before me. He's a very good looking man with a full head of hair. Um, you know, I always admire that. And, um, uh, you know, I'm still flying high from uh, the interview we did yesterday. I am letting you know right now at uh, 627 on Wednesday night, we got through hump day, January the 25th, that uh, Monday night will be must listen radio here on the Idola Power Hour. It is when we are going to um, air our interview with Governor Andrew Cuomo, which was a really cool interview, and um, it'll it'll be interesting. Like you're not going to be bored, and it's not a puff piece. And we asked some serious questions. We have a couple of light moments, but it's going to be it's going to be a real thing. Um, there will be live a video. Well, it was recorded live video on all of our social media platforms, so you could watch the governor and I sit shoulder to shoulder or across from each other, and hear what's going on, and see what's going on, and you could judge credibility and see who's telling the truth or not. We're going to come back with a brilliant novelist talking about Frank Costello, a novel. Don't go anywhere. All right, Kevin McCullough, tonight at 7 o'clock, we are going to uh, talk wellness on Radio Night Live. And that means the thoughts of Dr. Mark Siegel, the voice of Dr. Marty McCary, and the heart of Dr. Melinda Keller. That's all tonight at 7. We'll see you then. Dennis Prager here. Visit the Holy Land with me and Inspiration Cruises and Tours. No other trip will be like it. The Stand with Israel Tour. Call 855-565-5519 or visit standwithisraeltour.com. Weatherproof your day with the AccuWeather app by checking your daily, hourly, and minute-by-minute forecast. With precise details pinpointed to your exact street address, you will have access to exclusive features like MinuteCast and RealFeel, all backed by AccuWeather's team of over 100 expert meteorologists. The AccuWeather app is your most reliable source of weather information, so you can plan your day with confidence. Download the AccuWeather app today. So today, when we're in um, we're in the courtroom, um, the judge takes the bench, and we we all introduce ourselves. And then she, I'm not going to use the word reprimands because we didn't done anything to be reprimanded, but she forcefully instructed us to speak slowly and clearly because the court reporter needs to take everything down. And that was Steve, the court reporter, was in there today, and he did a great job. Uh, he actually thanked me and told me he's heard uh, me interviewing some court reporters here on uh, the Idala Power Hour, which brought a smile to my face. Uh, the judge thanks him before, basically asking him if he's okay during and then after. 
And for those of you who have never been in a courtroom, it's a very, especially in federal court, it's a very formal scene. And for a uh, federal judge in the Southern District of New York, known as the Mother Court, to kind of pay so much respect uh, to the court reporter, I got to tell you, if you don't want to go to law school, but you want to be involved in the law, it is a great gig to have. And it is financially rewarding as well. And I've been telling you to go to Plaza College because they have these programs, the one specifically for court reporting, that you can get involved in and you can try it out from home. And it's fantastic. It really, if it works out for you, it really can be a life-changing situation. But Plaza College has been around since 1916, and besides the School of Court Reporting, they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. It's an accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program that can be completed in 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus and within the best hospital system in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients like Joe Sibelia under the supervision of a dentist. It's incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I just mentioned or Plaza's other areas of studies like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu, plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu, or email them at info at plazacollege.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service, preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome back at 6.33 on a Wednesday night. It's Arthur Idala who's sitting in my office. I'm so lucky to have Ron Freed here. He's a writer and a television pro- producer. And we're going to talk about his fourth book, called Frank Costello, a novel. Now, his first book, which piques my interest, was Cornermen, Great Boxing Trainers, A History of Old-Time Trainers. Um, He followed this with two novels, one set in the boxing world and another set in Paris, where Freed lived uh, during a writing fellowship after he graduated from Columbia in 1977. He started his TV career at the Dick Cavett Show on PBS, Joe Sibelia has seen every episode and went on to work for all of Cavett's subsequent shows. Besides Cavett, Freed has also worked on, tele- on talk shows hosted by Tina Brown, Alec Baldwin, Robert, Robert Klein. Um, and in the future, it'll be the Idala Power Hour television show. You all right with that, Freed? You okay with that? Um, as vice president and executive producer at Metro TV in New York, Freed was in charge of the Emmy-nominated nightly live coverage of New York's Fashion Week. Um... Mr. Ron Freed was also the executive producer of many other Metro TV shows, including Subway Q&A, which won 11, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 New York Emmy Awards. More recently, he's worked as a producer on docudrama series for History, AMC, Netflix, and other outlets. Freed's writing has appeared in the New York Times, and he frequently contributes to the Daily Beast, writing about everything from boxing and the mob to literature and show business. I will tell you, um, 
Ron Fried, I've had some big guests on the show, but none of them have had an introduction like you just got. You, you know a guy named Jerry Foley or something like that? That wasn't an introduction. That was like a novel. Okay. Like, I'm just going to ask you to get a little closer to the microphone so the world can hear what you got to say. Right. I mean, I would just think as a TV guy, you kind of know about the microphone. Thing, I right? was, t- you know, I'm behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll give you that. Let me just cut to the chase. Yeah. Um, I know when you came in the office, I directed you to my wall of fame yeah. for my grandfather. Yeah. Just for folks who are a little younger, who don't understand the impact that boxing had oh in the 20s, and the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and even into the 80s, just just give a little uh, a description, Ron, uh, the author of Corner Men, Great Boxing Trainers, of what boxing was like in, in, in America to, like, my nephew who's listening right now who's 18 and has no real idea. It was, it was what the NFL is today. You know, but it was one person, right? So you're not you're not the number one boxer, you're not the one, number one football team. You're the number one boxer. You're the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be the toughest man in the world. Rocky Graziano, Rocky, uh, who was the middleweight champion, Rocky Marciano, who was the heavyweight champion. That really meant something in America. And uh, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis, the great Joe Lewis, who was the uh, heavyweight champion, I think, for the longest before Ali. And he was he was an American hero. You know, he was he there was no one like him. And Muhammad Ali was not only a great boxer, but he was a great cultural force. Right. So he was the African-American man who could stand up to the white man and say, I don't want to be called Cassius Clay. I want to be called Muhammad Ali. And then he got drafted and he said, I'm not going to go in the army. I, I, got, I ain't got nothing against no Viet Cong. And he didn't fight. So he became not only a boxing hero, but he became a cultural hero. And that's why that, that fight that I speak about so often that my grandfather judged was such a big fight because it was, it was more than the sport. Oh, my God. It was more than because they called, he called Joe Frazier and Uncle Tom. I know. It was horrible. And, and meanwhile, Joe Frazier was, was giving him money, Gave him to, money. to live on, to, to eat. I love Ali, but there are a number of things that, that were disgraceful in his life. And the, the way he treated Joe Frazier was disgraceful. Before the thriller in Manila, he called him the gorilla. I mean, that's disgusting. Joe Frazier was a good man. He was a respectful man. And he was a great fighter. And in that first fight, he beat Muhammad Ali. Ali said he was the, he said, uh, George Foreman hit the hardest. Yeah. He said, Liston was who he was afraid of. He said, they asked him, were you ever afraid of someone? He said, it was Sonny Liston, because that was his first big fight. And uh, he said that the toughest guy was Joe Frazier. He goes, I hit him with everything I had every time, and the guy wouldn't, the guy wouldn't move. What, what brought boxing? Well, let me ask you this question. Who would you say was like the last like, kind of legitimate heavyweight champ? So you went from Ali to Larry Holmes. Yeah. To, and then Tyson popped up somewhere in there. Tyson. Lennox Lewis was in there somewhere yeah. in Evander Holyfield. Those yeah. are like kind of the last guys I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't even follow the sport anymore. I know. Yeah. It's horrible, right? I know. I can't. I can't. I can name one one boxing champion now. That's it. You know, Tyson Fury. So what brought it down? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but you know what could bring it back is if there's a compelling personality. If you get another Tyson. Everybody's going to be interested because Tyson was a quintessentially compelling personality. So it only takes one person. I think that uh, younger people, they like uh, ultimate fighting, yeah. which seems strikes me as being totally barbaric. But, you know, if you're right about boxing, you can't take the moral high ground. But, you know, your grandfather uh, was also uh, one of the referees in the first uh, fight between Marciano and um, and Ezra Charles. That was a great fight. It was a 15 round fight that Marciano won. One interesting thing, and I do want to talk about my book about gangsters. But one interesting thing about thing about thing about boxing is that Rocky Rocky Marciano weighed 183 pounds. He was the heavyweight champion in the world. Heavyweight champion. That's very world. light for folks to understand. That's very light. I didn't realize he wasn't even. He didn't break 200. 5'11", 183. Okay, Tyson was 5'11" on a good day, 220. Right. So that's the difference. Ali, so 40 pounds, 220. Basically. Tyson Fury, I don't know what he weighs, like 250 pounds. So that's a big difference. But you have to realize the power that they had in the culture. And it was tremendous. And Ali had double the power of everybody else because he was entertaining. He was funny. He was smart. You know, he was the guy. Yeah, well, he, he was the greatest. I just happened to see uh, a little clip, and it was an interview of Tyson Sugar Ray, Ro- Sugar Ray Leonard yeah. and Ali, 
and they and it was when Tyson was in his prime, and they they tried to bait Tyson into saying it, and they said Ali in his prime and Tyson in his prime, and Tyson was smart enough, even as a young man, to say. There's no doubt about it. He's the greatest of all time, and that was it. Pound for pound, who's the greatest boxer of all time? Um, Sugar Ray Robinson. There you go. Everybody says that. Um, Tyson Fury, two, basically 270 pounds. Okay, so now the book that you're here to uh, to talk about is yes. Frank Costello, a novel. So first, let's talk about who's Frank Costello. Frank Costello. No, no common, no, no relation to Abbott and Costello. No relation um, to Abbott and Costello. So um, Frank Costello was the acting head of the Genovese crime family when? in the late 40s, the early 50s, really the 40s. And he was probably the most powerful gangster in America. Um, when Lucky Luciano was sent to jail and then deported, Frank Costello took over the Genovese crime family. And that was the most powerful of all the crime of five families in New York at that time. What was really interesting about Costello was that he was also a huge political power in New York. So he had... He controlled Tammany Hall to a large extent. So he had, he, he, could, he could get a nomination for a judgeship by making a phone call. He could pick the leader of Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall ran the Democratic Party. So he was really living in two worlds, right? He was a gangster, but he was a huge political power. Why, did he, why was he a political power? Well, after Prohibition, right, the mob had a lot of money, right? And what did they use that money to do? They used it to purchase power in New York City. So they were bribing people. They were bribing people. And they also had the threat of violence, which is very coercive. <laughs> okay. Right. So now it's interesting because you call it a novel. Yes. Now, I think many of these non these nonfiction books are all novels. That's true. I think there's so much... Because I know how when I read about cases that I'm involved in, I'm yes. like, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. That's yes. embellished. That's this. So, yes. so why? But why did you have the uh, the the credibility and and to be so forthright and transparent to say Frank Costello a novel? Is it totally made up? No, no. Uh, so um, I agree with you. So you read these books about boxing history, and they're all nonsense. Not all nonsense, but a lot of them are not authentic, right? They And one erroneous story gets passed from... But the thing about boxing, one, you could go back... I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you go back and look at what happened in the ring, and right. you can... I, I mean, that you could describe. Here, when they talk about these murder scenes, and the guy the guy who was killed is killed, and the other guy died in jail, So, but they describe how the murder took place when neither person who was in that room is alive today to, to talk about it. Right, and the only witnesses to these these events which took place in the 30s, 40s, 50s, right, are gangsters. Now, you know gangsters pretty well, right? Do they? I actually don't know gangsters. But you've represented some. Uh, just the, the, not many. Uh, I'm not all kidding aside. Not oh, really? Many. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. not many. But they don't tend to be extremely truthful. Am I right? Yeah, well, I can say it about a lot of... <laughs> People who I represent, but yes, uh, yeah, the not too many people come in here and say, "Yeah, I did the murder." Right. right. So you're going to rely on them to tell you exactly what happened in the 20s, 30s? No. So um, my thinking was the only way to really get at the truth is to imagine it. But you asked me if it's real history. It's real history, because everything in this novel, which is a work of fiction, that Frank Costello says in public. He really said. So if he said it in court, if he said it in congressional testimony, if he said it in the interviews that he gave to reporters, that's in there. He said it. So I didn't make that stuff up. Uh, one of the things that really fascinated me about Costello was, as I said, he lived in these two worlds, right? He was living in the legitimate world with all these politicians. He threw a fundraiser for the Salvation Army. Judges, congressmen, political bosses, they all showed up. They had to show up. And he thought of himself as legitimate. Then along comes the key overhearings of organized crime in America. Now, you have to remember, at that point, J. Edgar Hoover was not interested in, in, in the mafia. Why? Was he involved? Was he no, in? I don't think Not that he was involved, but you know, why? Why would he not be? Because A, it was difficult. B, what he was really interested in was subversive, communist, checking out communists. And at that point... So it was priority. Priority. And at that point in, in history, the, the FBI, they, they didn't have agents who spoke Italian or were Italian. Anyone who could penetrate organized crime, 
mafia organizer, who was Italian American for the most part. Uh, so he couldn't, he didn't have the, the, the resources to, to really go after the mob. So it's 1951. America doesn't really understand how powerful the mafia is. Along comes Estes Kefover, senator, very politically ambitious, and he's going to hold hearings on organized crime in America. And he's going to put these on a brand new medium that people didn't quite understand. It's called television, right? Right. So people didn't really understand the power of television. So Costello, who conceived of himself as a legitimate person, he says, I'll go talk to these guys, right? But his, many of his fellow gangsters, I'm going to take the fifth, right? I'm not going right. to go talk to these people. But Frank Costello loved to talk. He gave interviews to Time magazine. He gave interviews to Collier's magazine. He... When he was accused uh, uh, by the head of what was then the, the drug enforcement policy of being the, the heroin kingpin of, of the United States, okay, and he, he, he denied that that was true. He said he hated heroin. He held a press conference. I found the transcript of the press conference. Head of Jennifer's crime family. He's holding it's, a press conference. So we got two minutes to go with Ron Fried, who, who's got his new book out uh, of, of four books he's got out there, Frank Costello, a novel. Why are people so enthralled with organized crime and and in particular italian as you know yeah you know the, the irish had their whole clique and, yeah. and there's there was the po political stuff that you're talking about which yeah. is as as corrupt if not more corrupt so what is it that that why does the italian organized crime stuff sell 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 you know, uh, first of all, uh, like um, Scorsese, uh, pretty good filmmaker. Right? Yeah, a little bit. He, he can make anything. Uh, Coppola, pretty good filmmaker, make anything interesting, right? Um, I think it's the idea of living above the law, being someone to whom the rules do not apply, right? So if you think about Goodfellas, this, one of the scenes that everybody remembers is he's going into the Copa, which, by the way, Frank Costello secretly owned, and he wants to get into the Copa. He doesn't have to wait in line. He's a gangster. He can cut the line. He goes to the kitchen. It's this right. famous long shot. Right, right. And, and, and that's how they, they live their lives. And that's a, that's a fantasy. I think it's particularly a male fantasy, right? So they're sort of like superheroes, but they're evil superheroes, right? So it's a male fantasy. Like, uh, I can have my wife. I can have a girlfriend. I don't, you know, I get comped everywhere I go. I have a big role. Okay, of I understand. But I, and, and I've, Ron, I got to make you, I got to let you go. But, I just question, like, why is it Italians all the time? Like, there's all, there's all, right now in my world, yeah. Ru Russian organized crimes through the roof, Asian American organized crimes through the roof, but somehow or another, the Italians have the. Uh, so, wait, I, I want to plug your book. Okay. Frank Costello, a novel written yes. by Ron Fried. Where yes. are we going? To Barnes and Nobles across the street to Barnes pick it up? Barnes and Noble, Amazon, get it anywhere. All right. Um, and, and also, if you want to have a good read, read Cornerman, Great Boxing Trainers, A History of the Old Time Trainers. I'm sure that has a ton of bo boxing history that would be fascinating for anyone in the field. Yep. All right. Thank you, Ron Fried. Thank you so much. Go out and get that book, Frank Costello, a novel. We'll be right back. Luke is going to give us a sports update. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. So, I wonder what you're doing this fall. Do you know? I mean, it's only January, so who knows what you're going to be doing in October. But if you're smart, you will find the time and the money to go to Italy with the one and the only, the host of the morning show here on AM 970, The Answer, Joe Piscopo. Let me tell you quickly about the tour. Rome, Catania, Taromina, Savoca, Forza di Agro, Mount Etna, and Palermo. 
That's the best of Rome and Sicily for nine nights. What a trip. You're going to enjoy insane food, classic Italian wine. Mount Etna is the most active volcano in Europe. Unbelievable. You'll see some of the actual sites used in the iconic Godfather movie. It's a trip you'll remember for years. I went on the trip for like three days right before the COVID hit, and it was, I'll never forget it. And you know what? In Rome, because I saw this, this was one of the three days I was there. Perillo Tours sets up an unbelievable dinner at a fantastic site, and Piscopo grabs the microphone and puts on a show that is just so much fun. You'll be taking videos, taking pictures. It's great. So how are you going to figure out how to get there? Call Perillo Tours, 1-800-431-1515, 1-800-431-1515. Remember, a Perillo Tour is a stress-free, escorted vacation where you really don't lift a finger except for grab the knife and the fork and the spoon and the glass of wine. 1-800-431-1515 to secure your reservation on this very limited tour because Piscopo doesn't travel with like hundreds. He keeps it to a, a small amount. Oh, here it is. The tour dates. Finally got them. Drum roll, please. Three, two, one. Thank you. October 18th to 28th. So I think that's right after Columbus Day. So you come here, you come on Fifth Avenue, you can march in the Columbus Day Parade with Idala Bertuna and Cammons, and then a couple of days later, pack on up and fly over to Rome and it will be a 10 days you will never forget. 1-800-431-1515 or go online to perillotours.com. During the pandemic, they closed our churches down. Suicide rates are exploding. Drug and alcohol use is ravaging America. And there's no church to bring the hope. See the new documentary, Super Spreader, how a stand against religious tyranny brought hope to a country in crisis. Christian singer and activist Sean Foyt leading what's called Let Us Worship. Here's a move of God that's going to change America. Watch Super Spreader, available now at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Dancing with Sibelia over there? What's going on? He's got oh, two left Joni, You got Joni dancing in here now. Oh, I'm sorry. This sounds like Etta James. It is Etta James. Oh, very nice. All right. Um, wellness Wednesday on uh, Kevin coming up. But uh, speaking of wellness, you know, we talked about the Knicks at the beginning of the show with uh, Dolan with that stupid policy at MSG. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. That's right, Brooklyn's only major league team in any sport. Now, they took a big hit. That's right, they took a big hit when uh, Kevin Durant, their their fearless leader, got injured a couple weeks ago. And Luca Joseph Idala is here with a injury update. Luca, tell us what's going on. Um, so he has been um, showing progress and um, will begin uh, on-court activities this week. Uh, okay, so he's going to start practicing with the team? Is that what that means? Yes, I believe so. Do they have any idea of when he could start playing again? Um, they're going to reevaluate him in like another two weeks. Oh, so it's definitely all right. So we got a list. So he's going to have been out an entire month because I think he went out two weeks ago. And they've won. I know, I think they lost the first two games he didn't play. And then they won two great games. We watched the one, um, when was that, Sunday night, right? Yes. Who'd they beat? Um, Golden State Warriors. Golden State. And who's Golden State's big, um, their big player? Seth Curry. And who's on the Nets? Um, Seth Curry. Two brothers playing each other, and usually Steph Curry beats uh, his brother. But wasn't that a great game? It was. What was your favorite part? Um, the end. The very, very, very end, right? The, the Nets, was it O'Neal who hit the big shot at the end? Yes. O'Neal hits a big shot, but then uh, Golden State's going to get the ball back with like th- four seconds, and which you could definitely score another bucket in four seconds, and they didn't even get this. They, they never even took the shot, right? No. All right. Now, Luca, I know you had a big, uh, a big uh, test uh, on Tuesday, correct? Well, yesterday. Yes, I did. What test did you take? 
the English region. What was that all about? Um, it was like um, a six-hour test. And <laughs> wow, rough, huh? There was um, three sections, a multiple choice and then two essays. And just tell the listeners real quick, what was like one of the topics on one of the essays? Um, if um, participation awards should be allowed in sports. It, participation awards should yes. be allowed in sports for whom? Oh, for um, elementary age students. And what are participation awards? Like awards that you just get for just like participating in the game. Oh, as opposed to like winning the game. Yes. Okay. And what was uh, what did you what angle did you take on that? That they shouldn't be allowed. They should not be allowed. Sam Bellino, you hear Luca? He's taking the hard tack. You only oh, get the man. you only get the award if you go on the podium, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. First, second, and third. Uh, did I raise a good kid? Uh, you know what? That's great, and, and I hope he keeps racking up those awards. I had, I and I had no influence on that, right? I didn't tell you what to write, did I? No. Okay. Well, Luca, I can't wait to get the grade on uh, on this test. Um, I want to take a um, a quick um, moment to wish a happy birthday to my college buddy Christine Almond. Who um, she was my buddy Cords's girlfriend, but then he left school. He graduated before as he was older, and Christine and I were super, super close our junior and senior year at SUNY Purchase. And um, I texted her in the beginning of the show, "Happy birthday!" And she wrote to me uh, with a picture of herself. She looks so fantastic. Snowing just like 35 years ago. It seems like yesterday. And um, I don't know, 35 years ago, how old she would be? 2021, I think. Yeah, I think it was her 21st birthday. Right, it was her 21st birthday. Right, and we walked out. Wow, it's amazing. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast, but I can remember this. SUNY Purchase is located on the border of New York and Connecticut. And and there was a liquor store in Connecticut. And we walked in the snow through the campus of SUNY Purchase, out the back into Greenwich, Connecticut, to a liquor store. She so, showed her ID. We bought some booze. We walked back. And then we took the trays, the cafeteria trays, and we used those as sleds to sled down the hill. And all the kids were sliding down the hill. And uh, Christine Almond's 21st birthday was uh, like was such a fantastic day for me. And because of when my birthday is, she was like a year older than I was. Um, I was still, I had just turned 20 in December the 1st uh, of that year. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had just turned 20, and she turned 21. So um, happy birthday to Christine, who is a wonderful wife and mother and sister. She's a twin. And thank you for making those last couple of years at SUNY Purchase. And to be clear, it was a very uh, platonic relationship, but she's really one of my besties to this day. All right, Sam Bolin, Sam Bellino. I'll Sabili, I'll see you in a little bit. Have a great night, everyone. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC.